Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to another Hello. exciting episode. Hello. Okay. Hello. And now all together. together. Okay. Hello. 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 Wow. We're good. If, if we ever decide to get out of ASL, uh-huh. it could be a barbershop. Not very Certainly. good. And not very good one. But welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads, the one and only podcast in the world dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world, and that would be... Um, squad, we don't. Yeah, thank you for reminding me. I and we brought forget. back our guest from last show. Thanks for coming again, guys. Rich Spilkey. Yep, we're glad to be back. Glad to be back. And Zach. Zach Emberton? That or is correct. Emberton. Emberton. Yes. Not Pemberton. No. Embertown. Emberton. Whatever that was yeah. from those David Lynch movies. Yeah, Zach, you, we, did, we talked to you last time and we didn't ask you your gaming history. We'd like to know a little about the history. How did you get into gaming? When was that? Well, um, the, fir- the very first, well, when I was younger, my, my father had some old Avalon Hills games. We played, uh, we played Bismarck and uh, was it Tactics 2 when I was maybe 10 or, you know, a kid or whatever. And uh, so we, I hadn't really played anything since, you know, I don't know what that, adolescence or what have you. But it's always an interest of mine. I've always been interested in history. I, uh, Used to do more Civil War reenactments. So I get into law school and the accompanying poverty that went with that. And I'm looking around for things to do. And the, uh, I believe it's like the, the historical Midwest gamer, miniatures gamers or something, had a game day in Cantigny. HMGS. Yes. So, I am a card-carrying member. Uh, unfortunately, they never had another game day, but I went to their game day and we played what I later learned was Wooden Ships and Iron Men. But blown up and on a you know a whole you know miniatures thing, which I thought was amazing. So I'm googling, I'm I'm googling more stuff to uh, you know get it, find out more about this. And I found a a group in Riverside that did miniatures, and I showed up for that. And then I got out on on this miniatures group on the south side of Chicago, which I'm still very active in. But miniatures are very expensive. Yes, they are. Uh, and time consuming. But ASL, I mean. Relatively, is pretty pretty cheap. And, you know. Yeah, in the big scheme of things, I right. suppose it's considered a bargain. Right, you get, I mean, yeah, for, endless. The, for the amount of hours that you yeah. get. Yeah, right. I mean, I've only bought it, you know, a few modules. I'm getting close to getting most of the mains, but got most of the modules and some expansions and stuff, and it's still not that much. I mean, so that's how I got in. So I started seeing this ASL thing, and I thought, well, you know, okay, that's Avalon Hill, and that's, but this is supposed to be the like the Mac Daddy or what have you, so. Yeah, and uh, Eric got us a regular place at his uh, church down there, and we've been playing every yeah, Sunday. Not every Sunday, keeps but, it rolling. Yeah. yeah. So I've been uh, pretty dedicated to that, and then I've got uh, Rich right here, almost adjacent to me in Downers Grove, who, as we all know, is what a two, three, four thousand time champion of uh, the no, Open. No, just once. Just once. <laughs> That's all it takes. Just one time. So I have zero. So I have a, uh, you know, somebody to. Yep, and now you're on the Passel email list. Now I'm on the Passel email list, so I'll try and come out too here. Too far, and especially if you guys, yeah, we'll, you're back on. You're on on that list. We'll see see what happens. See if you come out. And uh, I do miniatures on those Saturdays once in a while. You might want to ex- expand my horizons to join that. Drop it on that group. See if you like the guys. And we can add you into that. Yeah, now that you're a high powered attorney using <clears throat> fancy words, uh, I have all the miniatures. You could you probably have to buy, a thing. buy stuff. Well, that's why I like about the group I go to. Now. <laughs> I was thinking all the miniatures. I could just show up, but. Uh, I, I think a more a low-powered attorney uh, 
but yeah, so that'd probably be cool too. Is that what you do? Low law? Low law, yeah. 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 You defend uh, like meth heads and I stuff wish. like that. God, that'd be that'd be so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> He does, do he does Dominicus work. I do uh, uh, Minnie Mouse. Minnie uh, Mouse Law. law. Dem- Minnie Mouse Law. <laughs> I can't get over that there word. Can't be that mu- there can't be that much of that. Well, anyway, welcome back, gentlemen. And we've got a little show here tonight, including... Is it time for... Let's get right into... What's in the box? I forgot to turn on the uh, effects. Let's try it again. Alrighty. What's... In the box. Now, once more, like like you're a frightened little girl. Whoa, what's in the box? That's pretty good. Very good. All and right. So, we have stuff in the box? We, we have, have more stuff have in the box? We have two things. Yeah, I, I brought along two products here. The boxes uh, keep showing. You know, with... we're getting too many boxes. I think people should stop sending us stuff. Well, I had to buy this one because oh. it's from MMP. Yeah, and it, it is the Special Ops, the Wargaming Journal, Summer Issue 2015, Issue Number Six. And why do I buy this? Well, you remember they started sticking scenarios into them to increase the sales, and I'm one of the suckers that falls for that every time. Now, if you're playing their other games, they have all kinds of articles on those other games. But for the ASLer, which is what this show is, 46% dedicated to the greatest game in the world. You have an article on the next thing we have in the box, 29 Let's Go, design notes for a action pack, an action pack, by Perry Cock and Ken Dunn. And I thought that was the Chicago Cubs kind of jingo for the year, Let's Go. I think they stole it from the Yeah, Chicago where do they get 29 Let's, let's Go? go. Where the, do they get their, where's the they come from? the 29th division. Oh. I but believe. why the Let's Go? I don't know. Oh, the, the divisional model was 29 Let's Go. 29 participated in the campaign in Northwest wow. Europe, D-Day to Normandy to VE Day, suffered 20,000 battle casualties, and so on. And again, he's walking through I'm sorry the, to hear that, but that's not much of a slogan. The, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah. Well, Let's this go. was the 40s. Marketing was a little less serious. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the Army. I was in the 302nd Division, which was... Let's stay here. <laughs> let's take a nap. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take it easy. Yeah. Come on, guys. Let's go. No. Nope. We're staying here. So Perry and Ken refer to a lot of the books that they read for their research. So you can find some little books to read their tips. And talking about him playing the Yanks and Hedgerow Hell and this 29th. And in those early scenarios, that's all coming back to me now. <laughs> I read this a while ago. Um, the, the Americans lose a lot, or they're, you know, the after action was always they're getting beat by the Germans in those hedgerow hell scenarios, so they wanted to do more with that, and thus they did, and thus the pack was created. More information on his creation right here in Special Ops, the Wargaming Journal. Scenarios you'll find, 011, this is where you get, um, short-lived offensive, two boards, seven turns, Four tanks for the... Who the heck are these guys? Czechs. And then there's the Carpathian group. Hungarians versus Czechs. And, mm. uh, you know, I call these tournament size. Remember the days, Rich, when these kind of things mm-hmm. were all considered yep. tournament right. size scenarios? Get them done in two or three hours. And O12, which is in Bataan. 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 <laughs> That's the way you say it, remember? My Filipino students taught me You have that. to say it like three times? Bataan. Say it? Bataan. They tell you about when the girl from Vietnam was laughing because I was talking about 
the city of Hugh, H-U-E. Is this is way. I, I was reading books and not hearing anything audially about it. So I was talking about the city of Hugh. Audially? Yeah. And I have, is that a word? Yeah, it should be. If de minimis is yeah, a word, I think it, then I think whatever I just said could Huey. be a word. Yeah. And um, she starts laughing to the Vietnamese student in the back. I'm like, now, what are you laughing about? The Vietnam War. There's nothing funny. Are you because we American pulled out? What are you? No, Mr. Kleinschmidt. It's Huey. City of Huey. I'm like, well, thank you, Vietnamese person, for clarifying for the dumb American. <laughs> so anyway, loss of hope. Scenario 012. In the Philippines, 1942. And I haven't really read all the details on these, but again, you got your 7-8 Turner, some vehicles, Japanese, and it's, uh, they're calling them the Philippine Scouts, but they're using the 667s. Oh, there they are. I was going to say, don't they usually use the 336 American Gs? You don't use those a lot, uh, Greens, as the Philippine Army, usually. So I like to play, for some reason I like the Philippine Army, so I don't know why. Kind of like I like boats. Um... (laughs) And then baby over duck, here, baby ducks. No, no I don't yeah, like, ducky I don't like baby ducks. Drivers and their trucks. I like the unwashed masses more than yeah. you do, Jeff. But exit number one. Guess where that's happening? Um, exit the gymnasium. One, come on, people! You're you're exit you know, number historians. one. We, we're supposed it's to know in that June. I guess Normandy. Yeah, Popeville, France. I guess the storm over Normandy theme of the uh, magazine. Well, I don't know if they tied that in purposefully, but this is designed by... Oh, it's a scenario adaptation by Perry. Adaptation? Adaptation, what does that mean? I guess... We could ask Perry, since he's a good friend of ours. Yeah, this is your S1. So the starter kit's up to 58 and 59. Oh, so those are starter kit scenarios. Starter kits. So oh. So this magazine will always have two starter kits and oh, two, two regular oh, scenarios. I see. And I I've never played starter kit. Would someone have to teach me how to do that someday? Almost. You just yeah. got to forget half the rules you know. Yeah. Okay. More that might be hard for me. It would be hard Yeah, that might it's be hard for me. To forget. You don't oh. get rid of fire when you pinned. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> that would yeah. throw your tables into a tizzy. <laughs> oh, it sure really would. Put them right in the shredder. And this has some conscript Germans, you know, which you'd have in certain zones being dropped mm-hmm. on by the Paris. Do they have cowering the or there's no cowering? Do they have? Yeah, this they... is the Paris dropping. Yeah, there's cowering in this. No, but I mean, in the, in the starter there's no kit rules, there's no bypass. No yes. bypass. What yeah. else is different? No, no snipers. No snipers. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes Dave and I play without snipers anyway. Right. Yeah, one time. Do they have heat of battle? No, I no, don't think I don't so. I don't think so. I don't think so. And concealment's gone, right? Yeah, I don't think there's any concealment. Hmm. Yeah, no, because that'd be kind of rules. Yeah. For cover all the actual situations. We haven't really talked about starter kit for several years on the show. We need to do another, the the extras where we record a game ones, the starter kit ones get the most hits. Yeah. Twice as many. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's guys out there looking for info on them. Okay. but this has the guns, the AA guns, you know, provided neither German gun is functioning or and possessed by a good order 228. The Americans win at the end by controlling at least two of the following buildings. So the Americans are dropping in, knocking out the guns, taking the buildings. I like those two. And then a mopping up over here by Brian Youse, right? Rhymes with house is how I remember. And it's another starter kit, 59, France, June 6, 1944. So it probably is thematic. 
one board, all infantry. If you like an all infantry game, starter kit guys, there's another one for you. You don't have to have guns or tanks. <clears throat> or boats. Or, or boats. boats. Das Boot. Das Boot. If you're in Scotland, so, would it be Brian Hughes? Uh, because you say Hoos. I, I don't know. I'm going back China. to my Hoos with Brian Hughes. <laughs> I don't think so. That's not Scottish. I don't know what that is. So you paid $50 for for basically two scenarios that you it. will use and two scenarios that you will not use. Yeah. Pretty much. And will I actually ever get to play in the O series? Yeah. I don't see it. No, I don't think so. Are you kidding me? No. Because you've seen my stuff. I've seen your it's I've like, seen your junk. Like I have everything. So it's like it's a lot. If you get to try and play through everything. Yeah, you, the purchasing outstrips your play. It's insane now. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. You need to cut back. Well, this is why I, I don't buy to, everything is because yeah, yeah. You don't. I don't I'm buy everything. Surprised, like, yeah. oh, you didn't buy this. Actually. I buy things, but well, not everything. Why? I haven't played. I'll, I'll, you know, if I swore to buy the next thing when I finish this, all the scenarios I have. There is so much out there that I still have a list of things to play with different people and different things we've talked about. Jeff and I are like, oh, what should we play next? We have this whole packet, and I have that whole boat one from Frank Terrer with the Mm -hmm. gate. Remember the British commandos? Mm -hmm. That, you know, amazing. We want to do that, and we want to play the zombie pack, which we still haven't played. How many years has that been? Oh, five years probably, and we might four years. We might get one played and tack it onto this very show at yeah. the end of the show. You yeah. have that on the wall here at the podcast Foxhole. You've got that breakout, right? As your Rick, your oh, breakout, yeah. which uh, you hopefully play? you and I will. I'd play like that. to play it someday, but we yeah. haven't. No, that's so. on the list. And now we have the next product. The next product uh, in the box, or what's in this box, is uh, Let's Twenty Nine Let's Go, which you referenced in the magazine over there. It comes with. Two boards, 71 oh, and 72. I see a board. And we need more boards because, you know, yeah. we clearly <laughs> don't have enough. Yeah. So this is boards 71 and 72. I wonder how many boards there are I, all together. I say we stop at 100. Yeah. I just say you just stop at 100. Well, there's all the lettered right. boards yeah. and there's all the third-party yeah. boards. This, this and series, we just stop at 100. Yeah, it's uh, okay, MMP. There's a lot of boards. And then it's an even number. Everyone can remember how many boards are there in that game. Why 100? <laughs> yeah. I can remember that. Easy and there's enough. 1A and 1B. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. We it's, might be at there's 100. A lot, there's a lot of boards. Oh, yeah. They did that sweet yeah. B thing. Well, yeah, because those are goes at the that. end and everything. Yeah. But hey, this one's got a nice, I must say, this has a nice stream all the way across the length of it. That is pretty slick. I, yeah. That is kind of nice. You don't see that. Yep. Farmland. Crops, wood's all on one side, so you want to attach that to that big wood board, you know, that would look pretty good, too. Yeah. So, 72, and? And 71 here, we got like a little town with, uh, what does it look like, about five multi-hex buildings, not um, townhouses or uh, row houses. Oh, yeah. We got a few, you know, stone stone ones and some uh, wooden ones, but the little little road that goes through there, and that's basically the top half, and then a little orchard in the center, and then, you know, a couple little light grain around a couple little houses here at the south Maybe end like of the board. Maybe like a little farm thing on the outskirts of town, and yeah, and then you've got some nice circular walls to put your hold down tanks in. That is true. There's a nifty little one here where it's a, the road goes straight through one hex, but it's surrounded by a wall, so you could see, I would think you could see right down the road through and through. 
I believe that is how the rule works. Another yes. interesting thing, another little rules thing, when you have those open walls like they have here on board 71, it's very interesting. I, I have read this rule. When you are moving, let's just say your infantry, and you're moving into the hex that has the open wall, you do not get the wall, assuming that the line of sight goes through the open spot. Yeah, they can shoot you through the But once slot. you're stopped, like say pinned, or it's like you're the defender in the prep fire phase against you, you do get the wall. Yeah, I guess it assumes you've moved to the wall itself. Yes. So, yeah, very good point, Rich. And I don't know about AFVs. I would assume that you would not be hull down if you're moving. Again, assuming the line of sight crosses right. through the opening. Uh, but then you would be hull down after you're done moving is my presumption. I do not know about I'd have to look that up, but yeah. I do remember the moving thing on the infantry. And there's a, several of those open walls on this board 71 that are pretty uh, prevalent. So two new boards, and, yeah, we can pass a few of those around. Yes, we have uh, uh, one thing I do like to mention, though, is that uh, it says right here on 29 Let's Go, Let's Go that all sales benefit the World War II Foundation, which yeah. is pretty nifty. And, oh, you know what? It looks like we have some overlays in here oh, as well. well. Because wow. if Over we don't have enough boards, we need more overlays to modify them. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we have OB1, which looks like this is kind of a nifty little thing. It's got a beach and then, you know, the water that goes with it, and then a wall that looks like it's sandbags, so I don't know what that would mean for uh, playing, but I can't imagine it's anything spectacular. Then we got a little, got another, this X30 is kind of a interesting little house, or building. They've got a building center hex that's surrounded by a bigger building, yeah, but there's... Yeah, kind of cool, like a castle kind of thing. Yeah, like a, ca like a keep and a outer wall. Yeah. And then there's just a little one that says stream into a lake type of a thing. Like an effluent, oh yeah, to attach it to a... Yeah, I bet that's to made up with another board that's got a river so you can turn it into the little creek. Yeah, like an effluent. Yeah. So some overlays there too for you. I don't you see those get, all the time in the action snippy. packs. No, that is unusual for an action pack. Yes. I have scenario 104, link up. Uh, again, about a tournament sizer and... Designed by Perry. He's getting the design and the things going here. And German-American. June 9th, 44. So this would be like we were just talking about. And I have Coda's Last Stand. I remember Coda. I read about him in the D-Day books a lot. And again, Perry did this one. It's, it's all infantry one with some trenches. And Bocage. Probably a lot of Bocage rules in these, are you thinking? Yeah, I have Hell of a Patrol Leader. I can say that on the show. Uh, all infantry, six turner, small area, and bocage again. That would be a nice one to learn the bocage rules on because there's not a lot of other rules to slow you down there. The three that I have do not have bocage in them, so that's interesting that they, they wouldn't. Not that I can see. I have three designed by Ken Dunn that I can quickly touch on. I don't see bocage in these three. I've got... Uh, 108, 109, and 110, and each of them have Germans in it, because again, these are all like September, October, 44, it appears. Two of them are against Americans, one's against the British. The British one looks fun whenever you have a flamethrowing tank. That's always fun. Looks like they got one of those crocodile flamethrowing tanks, so you know that that's a key part of the scenario in, in the 109, AP 109 scenario. The others have just a hodgepodge of infantry and AFE mixed and uh, some anti-tank guns, some bazookas, the usual the usual fare that I've seen at that time of 
the war. So they all look fun. They all look interesting. They all look like they use a few overlays in the new boards. And what's that map on the back of that one? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Uh, Action Pack 11, 29, let's go. I still think that's the Cubs phrase for this year, but (laughs) that's what I've seen. I guess it's just a map showing, uh, this is on the back of AP 110, that that shows the uh, theater of operations from the 6th of June, D-Day, to the 4th of October. Oh, okay. it looks like it points out where the... Yeah, and it shows, it shows where all the scenarios happen. So it's showing you where ah. AP 110 happened and AP 109 and 106 and so on and so forth. It shows where these battles occurred, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah, I've never really seen that before. That is kind of unique. That's pretty nifty. Who's got side two of AP 102? Better late than never. Oh, you've got that one. Oh, okay. Wait. Yeah. It's got... So it's a bigger one, Jeff. How many turns is that one? Uh, seven turns. It's got like 20 units plus for the American, including a pillbox, trenches, for Sherman's, elite and first-line Americans. And these are the kind of victory conditions I love. Provided the Germans <laughs> never control equal or more than one trench Dominicus amount of uh, trenches. The Americans set up areas at the end of uh, two consecutive game turns, and the Americans have less than one. Yeah, complicated. If 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 then if yeah that's right. Unless oh, but then I've got a board configuration too. One that better late than never. Oh, is that what that is? Oh, the board configuration. Yeah, it and it it essentially uses everything south of uh, a river on board forty. And you stick something in the corner there. Yeah. Jeff, if I, if I ever am king of the ASL community, I'm going to delegate you to be the scenario victory condition writer. I will. I'm going to go through and edit all the existing victory conditions to simplify them. I think that they need that needs to be done. Yeah. But I have one scenario here called When I Call Roll, which, is, which uses that OB1 overlay. And looks like it uses a beach... You know, kind of a beach landing. I think the Americans are on the beach going against the Germans. The Germans have some minefields, some uh, pillboxes, trenches, wire, tetrahedrons, and the Americans need to need to move past this and do some exit victory points off the uh, opposite end. So that one looks like fun. That one looks like, well, Tetrahedrons. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, wow. I know I've used them before, but not very not often. on this yeah. side of the world. Yeah. So really, I think Perry's got a and Ken have a pretty good range of scenarios in here. Yeah, yeah. hitting the beach, moving, moving through the Bocage, moving further inland uh, through September here on some of these scenarios, and uh, and a variety of some small ones, infantry only versus some bigger ones. I kind of like the look of them for first glance. Yeah, yeah. it's neat. You could follow, you follow the 29th division. Through a series of scenarios, just uh, that sounds like fun for you. If you, Jeff, we should play through all of these. Put it on the list. We've got a list, and that's what's in the box. Very nice. Oh, you do get some counter reprints or corrections with this packet. That for ASL players, I'm thinking of. Some nice hex control American counters with better graphics than the ASL stuff. And some Chinese oh, so hex control. Oh, that's counters. what the operations yeah, the magazine. Operations. Yeah, this is just a collection. Of, okay, so some of these counters are not ASL. No, yeah. right? Oh, none, none of these, them. Are, none of these. It's Storm over Normandy, and then some reprints that they had messed up in there, threw in here. 
from different games. Well, they should have put the uh, assault boat counters with letters on them. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yes. Sorely yeah. missing. Apparently nobody's brought that to their attention. Hey, while we're at it, the drift counters. Let's talk. Well, that's what's in the box, and now we're off to the drift counters. Let's talk about drift counters. So, Watch your mic. This is this is bothering me. I'm going to share it with the group. I don't know. Maybe it's me, and I, I, I've lost it, but I don't think it is. The drift counters are labeled A, you know, through Z, and then AA through FF. There is no GG drift counter. So whenever you play a scenario that requires drift counters... I thought I lost my GG drift counter. I was thought maybe I lost mine too, but I've asked other people, and now you're kind of confirming also, there is no GG drift counter. I don't think they ever made one. So, you know, not that that changes, you know, the history of the world in any meaningful way, but... It seems like there should be a GG drift counter because you use those for paratroopers, right? For like when they land in a random place, you use them. You obviously use them for their original purpose, which is drifts. When the you know when you start a scenario with drifts, but they're also used uh, like in the scenario we talked about last time, where the smoke is going to clear on a random hex row. Yeah. But there is no GG, hmm. and there should be. And I'm just saying. You could put it out in a special. Should bring office. it before Congress. Hmm. Well, Congress brings up less Senator, can you that. explain why the Russians have <laughs> GG drift counters and yet the Americans do not? We should petitions, petition for Senator Kirk to take this up in the Senate. Yeah, you know, yeah. bring it up. Got lobbyists. Fine, fine MMP, however many dollars a day until they there you go. comply. Money talks. The federal mandate yeah. to make the GG counter. I think that's a good idea. Yes. I can't find our usual what have you been playing lately music. What you going to do about that, Jeff, then? I'm going to take a little time To find some other what have you been playing lately music for ASL. What do you think? What you been playing lately? What you been playing lately? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you what I've been playing lately. I've been playing some ASL. We finished our God Save the King game. And it was awesome, don't you know? I've been playing some Tarawa. Ah, I got out the starter scenarios. Sing it, Brother Jeff. I can't stop now. I've gone so far. Dave, I've got to know. What have you been playing lately? What does that music mean, Dave? Well, that means it's what you've been playing lately. And? I've been playing some ASL. Wow. That's, what a coincidence. I played Failure to Communicate, as I mentioned last show, playing it at the church where people could come by. This is the one we had chosen. It's a WO2, another series that I'll probably never end up getting to finish, but every once in a while I'll try and plow through the WOs. Thinking I can keep up with them because there's only a couple a year from those packs. Yeah. And no, that the answer is no. <laughs> Can't keep up. And 
Um, Belgium, thinking, thinking, this one, close. Yeah, this one, Recalendar and I uh, came down real close to the last building on, like, would have been the last turn. But I did manage to get it surrounded. I think there was a, like, a, a gully that originally I look at and thought, no, but then when you start playing it and if things kind of go a certain way, jump in the gully. <laughs> My advice would be jump in the gully, shoot a couple squads, Germans through there to get around, because that will bring you up at the back of one of the last buildings you need to try and control for this. Five buildings in this little town. I liked it a lot. I liked it. it had uh, minefields. Well, well, the German, the, the French, so how often, again, you're breaking out your French counters. Sounds like a lot lately what we've been talking about in these last two shows, but and he gets a choice of the defensive stuff here. There's this weird enter turn five on the west edge, a squad and a DC and an eight oh. And it's really it seemed too late to do anything. Oh yeah, it seemed too late to do anything. So uh, yeah, I don't know. He can he can if you double times with the leader, he can only get to one of the buildings that the German may have occupied. Does mm. that seem weird to you? Mm-hmm. I mean very restrictive as to well, we know he can only get this far on the last turn. He enters. Well, he enters turn five, but then there's six. Did we count it wrong? No, we did it right. Because there's he's got two turns to move, and if you calculate it, he just doesn't have a lot of options. We just thought that was for a reinforcement, mm-hmm. not super helpful. But but we liked it a lot. Thought it was pretty tight. And Jeff and I had played apples to. We played apples to apples for a little while. Do you remember how we picked that one? I don't. We were thinking, what's the next series to play through? Yeah. Zombies or this or that. And then I'm like, you know, we never finished. <laughs> Tell me how that game we went. I'm, that. I'm always wanting to go ahead, and Dave is always saying, oh, we didn't quite finish. It was the Ian Daglish action pack. Remember yeah. With the bocage? Right. right. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, I know that scenario. I, I know that scenario very well. I'd like you to tell us how it went. I broke the British King. Guns on the tanks, two two of them, two of them, and already lost one because you got the first shot in. Yeah, like that one could have killed you if you just missed. And you know how that goes. But how yeah. did you, so you were trying to attack them from the side, obviously, because you can't I, kill them. I'm the trying front. to surround. You know, I moved my last three tanks to surround them. Pulled the one behind, broke the gun. Were you behind Bocage, or did you come out to fight as the German? You, uh, I was waiting. Yeah, you didn't move. No. Yeah, so I. It's funny because I played this scenario before, and it's not how I remember it going at all. At all. Yeah, but anyway, I, the tiger's re- reputation. Yeah, because one of the things tough. I've seen in that scenario, uh, a number of misunderstandings that uh, I've seen people play as the American attacker against the German tiger. And the ideas are good, but some of the rules I've seen uh, messed up. So, like, for example, the rules clearly say uh, in Chapter D that you cannot stop, keyword is stop, an AFV in another AFV's hex unless you could theoretically hurt it with a oh, 5 to kill. Correct, yeah. Okay, now hold that thought. So that means that the Sherman tanks, that I think you have a few of, can go into the Tiger's hex... And they could stop if they wanted to, because they could theoretically kill it with a 5 if they hit it from the side, which is theoretically possible from within the hex. Now, what I've seen the American player do is they move a half-track into the Tiger's hex, which carries a Baz. 
and they claim that, oh. okay, well, that allows me. No, it doesn't. You can go, but you don't have to stop. So what you Stay can do is you can cruise through with your half-track, pop off a smoke grenade, yeah, there's your trick, keep yeah. on in motion, keep on moving out, because you must move out, you can't stop, Unload with your bazooka. You can't stay in there in motion. You could. You, uh, no, you can't stay in there at all. Okay. You can't end your moving phase. Okay. In yeah. the FE yeah, sex, okay. right? I, I misspoke when I said the word stop. You, you you cannot end your movement phase. Yeah. Which means you can't like, and you also can't unload. You know, in his in his hex, but you could unload behind him, and pop a smoke grenade on your way. So he's kind of forced to shoot at that half track if he knows that can happen. And right. If he doesn't well. And then you move your Sherman up. You know, to try to pop them from the side, or maybe move one Sherman into the hex and another Sherman adjacent. And these are the cool things you can do to try to get the tiger. But if you stayed behind the bocage, that makes it a heck of a lot harder to do all the things I said, because I don't think half tracks can go over bocage. So, and, and, and a regular AFE fully tracked has to pass a bog check to do so, plus right. it costs half their movement factors, right, or something like that, half their movement points. So if you stayed behind the bocage, then everything I just said would be very hard to do. But if you came out to fight, that might have been a tactic, but he, yeah, he, he didn't never give you a chance. That. Well, he didn't give you a chance to if never. he was behind the bocage. So, anyway, just a thought. Wow, good thought. And you guys have been playing more boat scenarios. Yes, we have. So, yeah, well, should we talk about that? Yeah. yeah. So last time we talked about how we got on this boat kick, and then we kind of found the granddaddy of them all. You found it. I don't think I did. Yes, I found it. It's in the uh, rivers to the Rhine or rivers to the rivers to the Reich. The Rhine's a river, so rivers to the Reich. Uh, it's not an action pack. I don't know what it is. It's just a scenario pack, I guess. I don't. Know. So we've got these scenarios uh, both photocopied, and Jeff is is posting them on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Right. It's uh, it's U thirty six and U thirty seven, which when their powers combine, they form U thirty eight, which U thirty six is Operation Switchback, thirty seven is Sheldit Fortress South, and thirty eight is clearing the Br- Briskens pocket. If I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let me let me take a step yeah, back. So these sure. are really big scenarios from a number of boards' point of view. They're really not that big from a number of counters' point of view. So don't be intimidated by the bigness of the boards. Is what I would encourage the listeners. If you if you're really into the boat thing, like we talked about last time, and you want to continue with that knowledge, and really the boats do not play a major role, and that there are boats in both of these scenarios. But they're not a major part of it. They're they're minor. And the number of counters is not dense with respect to how big the boards are. But you are going to have to leave this set up for a number of weeks, maybe months, to finish. But 36 and 37 are meant to go together, like Zach said. And, and U38, which looks like a third scenario, is really just the rules of how to combine 36 uh, and let it carry over into 37 and how to do that. And U38 tells you how to do that. And combine them together. So it's really two scenarios. With 34 turns. Yes, all, all told. Yes, so uh, it's British versus German. The Germans are on the defense this time. And uh, we have tons of pictures posted here for your reference that uh, Jeff's agreed to post on the podcast. So I guess we should uh, we can start with U36 if you'd like us to do that. Yeah, that'd be great. So you want to go yeah. ahead, Zach? So we uh, got the first picture here is just an overview of of all six boards that are used in the U-36, uh, we used Rich's blown-up boards, so we had to use a ping-pong table to uh, to house all this. Uh, on the 
on the left, kind of the lower left, you can see where the British have set up because they the British can set up basically, I think it was adjacent to the river or the canal, so the, the board to the right ta tapers down to kind of a canal. Um, but I elected to set up on the left. Um, there's a little bridge kind of in the center of that board, but the British get a bunch of boats, so, you know, the heart of their crossing was on the right of that, on the right of the bridge. Um, I, I decided not to go on the far right, which it's only one hex little canal, which would be a quick, just a quick hop across the river, but right after that, you'll, we'll, we'll, we're going to need to touch on the terrain SSR, but the, uh, maybe the the center board that's normally level one, two, and three hills is actually mostly mud and ponds. So I thought that was just going to be a, you know, a slaughter there. Yeah, so let me talk about the terrain and, and then uh, turn it back to you, Zach. So again, sure. I use the post-it note method, as you can see. So all the blue post-it notes that you see uh, in the photograph basically say that all the level two hills and higher, so level two, level three, or anything higher, is not, they're not hills. They're, they're basically water. And, oh, okay. and the level one hills are not level one. They're actually level zero mud. So you really don't want to go through mud, and you really and, and the hills are not hills. They're water. So basically the little roads that you see in between are the only clear spots to go. So that's why Zach was un understandably reluctant to go on that side because even though he could easily get across the little river there, no problem, he'd be funneled into those little yeah, road hexes in, in between the mud and the water, and it would have been very easy for me to defend that because I could just put little fire lanes down the roads, and that's all he could do. So he was wise probably not to go that way. Uh, and, and, and so knowing that as the German, I defended that very lightly, knowing I could shift forces over there should he have chosen that method. But he did go the way I think you're supposed to go as the British, which is across the two-hex water and then at least have some protective terrain like woods and some buildings to go into. And just to give the listeners an idea of what we're trying to do here, the there's basically two objectives I think in this scenario is there's a some wood or I'm sorry some stone or some buildings in the in the far upper right from this first picture's perspective from the British perspective that the British British need to take control of, but also they need to be able to draw a line of he of road hexes I think from my side of the board to the German side of the board, which you start out with the one bridge, but the British can actually lay a second bridge to kind of a, give them a second option for the road. So I did that, which I don't really think paid all that great of dividends. But then I had to work all the way and cr get the road to the other side of the board, which once you look at it, you realize the only option is you get the little circle in the center of the town and then kind of goes up through there and then it's a pass, I don't think those are mountains, but it's kind of a pass between what are used to be hills. So Rich elected to put a couple of hip units there, which actually caused me quite quite Ooh. a bit of difficulty. Yeah. Um, so you have to get, you, you basically have to get that road open. While yeah, yeah, I did that on purpose, of well, course, because right. I knew, because you're allowed two hip, uh, hip units, or I can't say, I don't remember if it's multi-man counters or two full squads. Two German multi-man counters can be hip. So... I took advantage of that by putting them way back there, you know, basically to make the British fish them out and hunt them out and have to go all the way to the back because he has to trace that continuous road hex that he just said. That's one of the victory conditions. And it did take him a number of turns, you know, just to get back there, just to find him. Yeah, and then to get deployed to, to dig him out was also rough, to say the least. Yeah, it looks like he doesn't have a lot of options in that, so you kind of know 
where he's going to need to go. Right, but he's got me outnumbered in squads, you yeah. know, more than two to one. Plus he's got, you know, a bunch of tanks, a couple radios. Not tanks, no, no, a couple no. guns, a lot of guns and radios. Um, the breakable it, kind, or were they uh, durable radios? Uh, uh, I think this radio... Uh, I don't think you broke these. I don't think I broke this radio. Oh, wow. I think uh, the radio did all right here. I don't think we uh, set the world on fire with any OVA, but, you know, the radio itself was all right. Yeah. Um, so it looks like a, a pretty easy crossing. You're, you've just got two hexes with the boat. So do you play it any differently? I think I got a cross. Because of that? You well, just I, I all the, jump in and go? I don't think you have many casualties at all. Yeah, crossing. I think I got across the river pretty much unmolested. Oh, actually. okay. They just well, well, see, the British get these three flamethrowing tanks. Do you notice that mm, yeah. in the scenario set up? They get three flamethrowing tanks. Now, oh. they can't get across the river. Yeah. But they can blow away anybody that chooses to set up adjacent to the river. So I knew that he had these, and I knew he could put them anywhere he wanted because he sets up second. So I totally did not set up adjacent to the river because I would immediately eat in flamethrower. Now, what's the range on a flamethrowing tank? This is For, a two uh, range, but then long range is three. Okay. So you so so he could do it. Yes, he could. So I deliberately didn't want to lose KIA squads on turn one, so I pretty much let him cross the river. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he um, – well, we got some more pictures. Yeah, let's go to the next okay. picture. That might guide some more. Okay, so here it looks like you've set up a bridge. Uh, that br- the bridge right or, there is the was, one that, that you start with. Oh, that was um, the one that was there. I couldn't yes. see it as well in the other picture. Okay, yeah, this this, uh, this shot's just a little better, a little close up of the British setup. And of you can the see setup. All the oh, okay, I see the, it now. Yeah. yeah. All right. And you can see uh, my setup is not. I don't think you even see any German units in that picture. No, a little bit. You know, a couple here and there. Yeah, you actually, your setup got a unit in a row house here and a couple in uh, some woods back here. Yeah. So I'm choosing to fight him after he's landed. I don't want to eat the flamethrowers. So that was my my thought. Yeah. yeah. So did you get any use out of the flamethrowing tanks, Zach? Absolutely none. Oh, no, that's all I say. That's such. That's so sad. <laughs> what a they, waste. They just sat there and did nothing. <laughs> ASL giveth and ASL taketh away. <laughs> well, if you read the uh, scenario, you know, after action report or, you know, the I'm not sure what it's called, where they introduce the scenario and then they give the aftermath. In real life, the flamethrowing tanks did shoot at the guys on the far shore, and um, I just didn't want that to happen. Yeah. So now we got uh, another one, we, as you can so see. So next I've, picture, yeah. Looks like you've... Uh, I've made it across the river. Yeah. Um unloaded the boats that you know that i really didn't get any resistance from the germans at this point i'm i got in this little orchard there and little you know clear area some woods down, there right? yeah mm-hmm. um but i also have units that are trying to actually cross the hard way across the bridge which i think we got a couple pictures coming up that shows that they had some difficulties there such as this yes yeah, so what picture are we now now jeff what's it called so this is uh picture five Okay, so on picture five, you Cleverly see titled, that I have an FFE five. there. So, you know, of course I knew that he would be trying. He, he can build across. his own bridges, but that yeah. takes time. The rules do allow him to build his own little pontoon yeah. bridges. But, of course, he gets the one for free. So, naturally, he's going to try to cross that. So, I deliberately set up my radio guy to be able to see this area. I deliberately set up. Uh, there's one, if you notice, again, if, if you're the uh, German player, you've got these two big uh, mortars. And one of them has a minimum range of 12 hexes minimum range of 12 so you want to be very careful where you put that mortar because it can only fire at 12 hexes or longer 
So I thought I was so smart. Yeah. I set up a level two little half squad way in the back. There's this level two building that's way in the back that can see over everything. You can see that in picture. I think you just had it, Jeff. Which picture, picture four. Maybe, picture four. Uh, oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's further back. You, you just had it up a moment ago. the one with the 10-2. You just had it up a moment ago. Keep going. Yeah, that one. What picture number is that? Okay, that's number six. Okay, and picture number six, you can see the level two building that's way in the back. Way back. Okay. And I set up a 10 negative two liter there with a heavy, <laughs> kind of waiting for the guys to get close enough to uh, shoot at him. But I also set up, which, which you cannot see because I must have cleared it off by then, I set up that huge mortar with a little half squad in level two adjacent to the negative two because that level two half squad can be the spotter. Right. And he can shoot at 30 hexes or 35 hexes or, you know, large numbers. No, yeah, he has to add plus two for spotting. And And the rate of of fire fire goes down by one, all true. But, man, you've got a 120-millimeter mortar with rate of fire, uh, I guess it would go down to one. And what the heck? It's going to be in play for a long, long time. And shooting 120 is going to hit eventually, right? Guess what I rolled on my first roll? <laughs> Boxcars? Boxcars on roll number one. And then I got a six. That's why I probably took it off the board. Yeah. You don't see it in the picture. So here I had this great strategy that this little half squad was going to do lots of damage oh, yeah. with this 120-millimeter mortar for, many, for you know 27 turns. Nothing. Yeah, again, special rule could write in and at least gets like six turns or something. Well, I think I, I, had a bro- I broke a mortar or something. Like, I broke something at this point as well. And, and Rich offered, he said, you know... Because we we discussed this with Dion and everything, but the breaking of critical ordinance, you know, and he said, well, yeah. you know, how about we just both agree to, I don't know if it's bring them back or you know give it or something like that. And I thought about it, and I, you know, and I thought, you know, I've got four mortars and he's only got two, so <laughs> no, we'll just we'll do it we'll do it the regular way. That was kind of Grant's strategy against General Lee when they wanted to exchange prisoners. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly right. So. So you were being like General Grant. Yep. I, th- I thought I had more firepower so I could uh, get away with it. Now, could you have opted to not bring the, the rest of the infantry across on the bridge? Could you have brought the boats back and loaded them again and uh, then yes. avoided this? I could have done that, but to bring a boat back, you need, was it like a third of... If you look at the Spooky yeah. Boats table, it'll tell yeah. you the minimum amount of portage points of guys you need in there to paddle it. Oh, I see. And so you'd have to have at least like a half squad or something. I have to look at the chart, but you'd need at least a half squad or some amount of units in there to paddle it back. And then, of course, that takes up space on your way back. Right. But yes, you could have, but there'd be a lot of paddling back and forth because you only get these 16 boats and you've got like 30 some squads. Right. 10 boats. Well, you got the 10 of those and six of the others. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were looking at foxholes for a second. Okay. Yes. Yes. All right. So, you know, you only got, you know, about half the boats you need, roughly. So it would take a little bit of... These are not the assault boat kind that have the inherent driver. These you got to paddle. Okay. So that's an interesting thought. I am going to be playing this scenario yeah. again at Aslock, and I'm the British this time. And I'll have to think about if I really want to get pummeled trying to cross that bridge. Yeah, because that, that, that looks pretty bad. I'm sure Bob is going to do the same thing. Probably. I might want to just take my time and make it take longer, but get everyone across safely. It's, yeah. just, it's a thought. I'll have to think about it. Yeah. You're welcome. So now we're, we've got the 10... Oh, oh you know what? Yeah. We could talk about both those things. Oh, All right, okay. so, yeah, I'll talk about this part now. So I also put my 10 negative 2 liter with the heavy machine gun. Now, this is very interesting, folks. This is a new set of rules that maybe you know and maybe you don't. I mean, it was sort of foggy for me, and I had to really zero in. So this is a scenario where you really need to brush up on a couple things that are not 
typical in the typical ASL scenario. Not complicated, but a different look at the rules that maybe you think you already know. So, for example, uh, concealment. When you're 17 or more hexes away, so like this 10 negative 2, for example, in the first, you know, 8, 10 turns of the game, he was shooting at stuff 30 hexes away. Yeah. Now, yes, the rules clearly say that it has to be directed by a leader, and you always have to treat it as concealed. So even if it's not concealed, it's still treated as concealed. So seven firepower uh, weapon is halved for long range, and it's halved again for the assumed concealment. So it's only, uh, what would that be, just one firepower? Yeah, yeah. One, one. one firepower. But it's a 10 negative 2 leader, and if you're moving in the open, it's a 1 minus 4. So worth taking with rate of fire 3. So that's, you know, a lot of one down fours were, were shot. Now, you keep concealment. You keep it. So even though you're shooting in line of sight of an enemy unit, the enemy unit is 30 hexes away. Right, as long as they're over 16. Right, right 17 more. Now, this is why this is so important to keep your concealment. Because he's got his big mortars, also 30-some hexes away, that want to smoke up that guy. At 35 hexes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you keep concealment, that makes it harder for his mortars to, to hit, hit you. Hit on it. Yeah. So that's kind of important. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, that that 10 too. I, I think I kept him pretty... I kept smoke on him a fair amount of time. Um, but he was still, you know, on a tear. Because, you, I mean, you got to move in the open. You can't assault move across... You know, three boards. Yeah, you hit right. him with yeah. HE, you hit him with smoke. I mean, he passed I a dozen him. morale checks, uh, <laughs> pin checks. He, he, he never failed. I have, These are two 107mm mortars with a minimum range of 24. So, I mean, this is basically artillery right there. Yeah. And he, I think I had these things in place by turn three, maybe but turn five. And they were just cranking on that 10-2. Two of them, and it was like six to hits. I think it was roughly once I got the acquisition built up. Mm-hmm. I think it was in the six ballpark. So not for sure, but and eventually I lost concealment because yeah. I was shooting at guys less than seventeen hexes away. Mm-hmm. But then his mortars could still keep cranking at me without the mm-hmm. concealment. Unfazed, unfazed. He made up for the broken mortar that happened on turn one. <laughs> yes, very much so. So that's the ten two in that pick. So which picture we have? U uh, thirty six number seven. Number seven. Uh, this is just a shot. Uh, this is a little above the British beachhead. Yeah, here I want to point out my little mortar in the upper left hand corner. So this is the other mortar. This is the eighty millimeter mortar that has a range of from two to two to sixty, I think. So this mortar, you can see, it was hip. I mean, you see it here in the picture, but it was hip, and it was zeroed in right on the entry where he would come off of those footbridges onto the land. So this was also, I think, causing him a few casualties because I've got you know eighty millimeters hitting you, and open ground is is pretty good. And you know I had it, uh, you know, well acquired by then. And, and he has to go off of that bridge. I mean, unless he builds another bridge, he has to enter off that hex. And uh, so I had the OBA hitting there, I had the mortar sitting there, and as the British player that I'll be playing myself at Aslock, I think I'm going to avoid that bridge completely. Is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, I I used the I did build another bridge and I did use it a little bit, but getting across that was uh, rough going. Can picture eight. Oh, that's just a perspective from the German. Oh, from the German, yeah, the German side. side of the map. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny as the British player. Just you know, when you you set up it, there's so much space and so little Germans. It, it 
It probably seems simple. like. But, but remember, those hills are not hills. Those yeah. hills are flat, yeah. nothing ponds. You can see mm-hmm. right over them. And even the level one hills are mud, which yeah. you can move through, but it's still level zero. So pretty much that 10 negative 2 in the back at level 2 can see everything. I mean, or not everything, but virtually everything. There's some blind hexes behind the woods. There's some blind hexes behind the village buildings. Yeah, that's a good but, one for but, table 13. Oh, yeah, that's right. I should mention that. Table 13, you will use the Rich Spilky table 13 with the line of sight rules of how many hexes away. We use this oh, table yeah. a lot. Okay. This is not complicated, but you're often at level 2. And you're often shooting at something that's 18 hexes away. There's an obstacle that's 13 hexes away or 14 hexes away, and you want to know how many blind hexes there are. Right. And that happens a lot. So this table has that already pre-calculated. Nice. Oh, this this uh, what was it um, two, 2.5 uh, picture number here. This is yeah. just a. Little angle shot of the British setup. Oh, right. So okay. you can kind of get an idea of where what I put a lot of squads in, and you know. Yeah, that one got out of sequence. Okay, I think we've been through them all. Yeah. So okay. what what ended up happening on this one for our, our listeners, who I'm sure are on the edge of their seats here, um, that I think the point of this this these two scenarios is the British are going to win U36 because the way these two kind of jive together is. All, you get 34 turns between the two of them, so the turns you don't burn in 36 is what you have left for 37. So the British kind of have all the time they need, but they're oh, okay. kind of you know starving themselves for the second scenario of turns. So that's so ultimately the the if you were just to play 36, it's uh, 15 turns, and I believe it took me 19 to get it done. Uh, the biggest problem was digging that 10-2 out of that building that we saw in the back. There. Right, he was just. That was. I mean, I think I burned like four or five turns just, just trying to. Yeah, it took a out. while. Yeah, but you know the Germans will lose. Like uh, like Zach said, they are they're going to lose if you give them unlimited time because the Germans just don't have enough. They're outnumbered, at least two to one. The the British have a number of eight morale guys. The Germans do not have any eight morale guys. Mm-hmm. They the British have way more weapons, way more mortars, way more everything, and uh, you know there's nothing the Germans can do in the long run to stop them. So it's really about timing, like Zach said. You want to win without taking too many casualties, right? but not taking too much time. So the pressure's on the British to balance that. And then that'll pay dividends in the next scenario because it carries over. Okay. Yeah, the, the, without getting all the details, what you have left from 36, you can bring into 37, both the Germans and the uh, the British. And there's there's rules and for that, but yeah, U thirty eight describes how you carry them over and which boards carry over on what turn. Yeah, combine those. Yeah. So maybe we'll shoot over to U thirty seven now. Okay. Now U thirty seven. If you look at this picture, what's that picture number, Jeff? That's just uh, the first picture of U thirty seven. Yeah, let's talk about that. So picture you can see one. we're again using my ping pong table. It is eight boards. Wow. Count them. Eight. Eight boards, my friends. It took one, up two, a lot of room, three, especially four, since five eight. Sure yes, enough. It's eight yep. boards. And these are, you know, the thirty three percent bigger boards that I am fortunate to have. Thirty three percent more ASL. Just fun. just makes it even bigger. So this is the biggest square footage scenario I have ever played. Yeah. But again, it's not that big counter wise at all. I mean the Germans get eighteen squads, a number of guns, they get reinforcements later. That's not that many. Yeah, really not. Eighteen squads for yeah. eight friggin' boards. Now plus I got a few squads that carried over from uh the scenario before, yeah, right. previous, but but combined. not but not material. Although the ten negative two did carry over, yeah, he really he snuck out the back door, and um, 
He battle hardened to a ten negative three. By the way, in the next scenario, I can't resist. <laughs> I hated yeah, that, he, he, that guy was awesome. <laughs> anyway, but uh, but then now the British get. Let's see what the British get here for U thirty seven. You know, the British get thirty six squads, and they get a ton of AFVs. This time they actually get AFVs that are cruising through. Uh, so the water here is different. All the other scenarios we played so far, the water is like sort of the beginning of the game, where you cross some type of water you know, in the opening move. Here the water is used later. Mm -hmm. Well, at least for the Germans it's used later. Did you have to use water in the beginning of the game here? No, I not in the beginning, no, no. It's at the end. At Your the reinforcements end. use the water. Uh, they can, I have the option. You have the option to. So here the boats are used not really until the end, which is kind of different hmm. and kind of okay. cool. Yeah. So... Um, Again, you see my post-it note strategy where all the level twos, I mean, by now you should be used to this. If you've played these scenarios with us so far, you know that the hills are not there. They're all ponds. The level one hills are level zero mud. So, again, they're, it's all open ground pretty much as far as line of sight through it is concerned. So it's eight boards. <laughs> That's a lot of square footage. You're going to have to leave this set up for a while. But not that many squads. So it's almost like the opposite of Tarawa. And, you know, Jeff and Zach were my yes. Tarawa partners. We talked about that a few months back. And that is that's that's serious. That's serious counter density. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You've like gotta really, oh, yeah, you've got to really you've got to really be geared up for that. This again is a, the rules nice are not that complicated. Spread out and, You're spread yeah. out. You rarely have more than a couple of counters in a hex, and it's understandable. It's doable. It's and it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, kind of refreshing as ASL goes to have all this open area, fewer um, troops. Yeah. And having some opportunities to have really long-range shots mm -hmm. from yes. those big mortars and things like that. I mean, all, you have that with off-board artillery, but there's something about having a weapon on the board that you're shooting 30 hexes or more like you were doing in the last scenario. Yeah. So, And again, in this scenario, both of us had two OBA modules. Okay. So you got to know your OBA rules, and again, I encourage people to use Table 20 if they yep, find that helpful. Use the table and the flowchart. And uh, the Germans do get a whole bunch of guns, but most of them, they kind of tell you where you have to put them. You can hide a couple of them, but most of them, it's like the rules say, the SSR says you must put them along the river, which really limits where they can be. They cannot be hip. Yeah, the, the guns are really more there as objectives and to give you the historical feel than I think actually... Uh, yeah. You know, Chris, you're part of the German defense. Right, they forced the British to go get them because part yes. of the, the victory conditions, there's three victory conditions. they got to capture that big chateau on board six, which we'll talk about in a minute. They have to make sure there's no good order German units uh, at level two on board eight, which is that board that's adjacent to the water. Yeah, that's essentially the fortress. That's yeah, the, the, that, that might be Sheldon Fortress South. But... Yeah, there's a fortress okay. on level two that you got to mm -hmm. dig them out of there. And then they have to kill all those guns that are going to be scattered along the waterfront. So there's three objectives. But they should be able to do it because they outnumber the Germans like crazy, and they get all these tanks, and the Germans have no tanks at all. Theoretically. Yeah. Where did the British come on? They um, come on on the opposite? Yeah, the British come on. That's I think that's south. Yeah, the south edge. Um, for this one, this second picture you have is a... Is, it looks like it's just the Germans' initial setup before I actually brought came on. Um, oh, your okay. Picture two. Yeah. Um, and this, I I realized I was already down five turns from the last one, so I knew I had to go, go, go. Let's go, if you will. Let's go. <laughs> yes. Let's go. And so I I set up the length of the board with different, you know, d 
groups of units to go after different objectives because he had in the upper right there's a couple guns uh on the river and then there's a few more right yeah right around there right about three quarters away down that that board i think well, i think it's probably um board seven three quarters of the way to the middle yeah and then there's the ones in, up in the fortress there yeah and then there's a couple there's one to the left there's an 88 kind of on a little hill there and then there's a little building on board six that I also have to go after. So I, I knew I couldn't just grab a couple and then work, you know take my force and get the other ones. I had to go after everything at once. Wow, um, yeah, which didn't really work out yeah. ultimately. But you'd be spread thin. I yes, although I did uh, have the reinforcements from thirty six, which was helpful. But okay, so should we talk about the chateau? What picture was that? that yeah, showing so Jeff? picture three. So that's the chateau. Yeah, so look at picture three. So this, let me talk about this. So here's where my strategy also failed. I thought for sure that he was going to pummel that chateau, because the rules say it's only a wooden building, not stone. Okay. And it's multi. It's still multi-hex, so it is a two-level building with lots of locations. But he's got this off-board observer that can easily see that, again, because we just talked about how you can see over everything. Right. So he's got this off-board observer that can see the world. And I thought for sure he was going to pummel the crap out of this plus two wooden building. And so I deliberately set up tons of dummies in level two looking like they were. Well, I thought he would think they were like eight negative ones with medium machine guns and full squads. Because that's a great place to put medium machine guns with full squads with eight morale. uh, You know, to look over everything. It's a great place. And I thought he would pummel that with OBA. And I put like almost all my dummies in that. Level two, just hoping he would beat the crap out of it. He never once called an OBA anywhere near that building. I thought at least he would do smoke at that thing to smoke those guys up to have the infantry move in more safely. My dummy sat there for days and turns doing nothing for no reason. So sad. It was terrible. Why why was my reasoning wrong, Zach? My your reasoning wrong was wrong, I guess. Well, because you're dealing with me, who wasn't thinking a lot that sort of logic. <laughs> he kept thinking oh, that's a stone building. This is what I would be thinking, even though I know it's yeah. a wooden building. It looks I'd stone think, to me. Oh, it looks looks like stone. I'm not going to bother. Well, my feeling was that that fortress in the back was going to be a real tough nut to crack. So, since I could see it all the way back there, I just started calling down artillery on it yeah which knocked out one of, he had a mortar back there that was gonna do this well yeah again i tried trick. the spotted fire trick and this time i didn't roll a 12 but he beat the crap out of that mortar mm. because he could nail it with oba and it, it was in a paved road so it couldn't be emplaced therefore it couldn't be hip therefore it got its butt wiped yeah. out oh, okay so i don't think it ever got any shots either mm. i don't know you know in fact retrospect I challenge your listeners to tell me where you're supposed to put that 120 millimeter mortar. It's got a 12 minimum range. Where are you going to put it? Mm-hmm. And, and the only place you can use a spotter is back there, and that's adjacent to paved roads. That's probably the place you're supposed to put it. I just didn't want to. So where yeah. are you going to put it? That's what I'm asking. I have no idea. So I put it there. He beat the heck out of it. I don't think it ever fired a shot, or maybe it did. I think it missed. It, it, it fired some shots. It, really did it didn't anything. hit nothing. You know. So anyway, I'm, I'm puzzled what to do with that. Are you going to play the British side on this one at Aslock? Yeah, well, I am because it's a carryover. Yeah. You know, they go to, so yes, I'll continue. Yeah, so, okay. So I am going to pummel that building with OBA if given the chance. And I hope Robert doesn't put a whole bunch of dummies in there. Yeah. But maybe he will. I don't know. We'll see. Please don't post this before Aslock. No, we wait? won't. Yeah. Just wait a few days. Just yeah. on the off chance that this is the one he listens to. Yeah, that could really Well, everybody will be talking about it. That's the way. <laughs> Perhaps. 
Maybe you should so. post it before you ask, like, so you can get all the buzz when you get out there. You yeah. Know, like, man, I just heard you down the way down here. I'm worried. No, anyway, we'll so let's keep we'll talking about this building and how you, you did eventually get yeah. it, of course, because I just had dummies in it for the most part. Yeah, but, I mean, there's a, I didn't really do anything spectacular. I, Looks like you you moved some AFVs. Yeah, I moved some AFVs. I got the infantry coming in the woods. Um, you can kind of see where he's got, I can't remember if that was an actual unit or a dummy, but on the, the southernmost point of the building, uh, I was able to kind of get close because other than that dummy, not too many people can see what, that's probably... Uh, N2, I think. What and picture are you on there, Jeff? What number? This is picture three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so like N1, N2 are relatively clear, I think is how I got into that building. It didn't, it, but we once we got in there, we, we played a real cat and mouse game because the um, kind of the four offshoots of the building on the sides there, like N3, right. big, those are the only ones with the stairwells, but the center doesn't have it. And there's two levels above. So, I mean, we just chased each other around that building. Yeah, but you could have kicked my butt in, in that building. I had nothing. I had dummies. I used, was I, it all dummies? Not yeah, all dummies. Yeah, I, I, I had, had a, like three. had a medium machine. I had three squads, but it looks like ten squads. Yeah. Right. I mean, I didn't, wow. come, I didn't come in with Okay, but you still lot. haven't told them the good part. Or the good part for you. Bad part for me. He, he fanaticized one, oh. four, five, eight. And then he had a leader in that hex. I don't know if it was an 8-0 or an 8-1. And wounded. then he had a broken, regular 4-5-8. So in my brilliant strategy tactics that I described in my last, the last time I was here, I decided to shoot at that hex because I thought I could DM yeah. the broken unit. This was my rationale. Watch your mind. Okay. So I shot at it with whatever it was, 2 plus 1 or whatever. It was some kind of shot to DM them. And I got some kind of a morale check. I rolled low enough to have a morale check of some sort. I don't remember what the leader got, but the fa- oh, and then you rolled the fanatic squad. The fanatic he has broke. nine morale, and he broke, and he's pissed. Yeah, I was unhappy to say the least. <laughs> okay, because it had nine morale, it should have passed, especially on a normal morale check. Yeah. Then he rolled a snake eyes on the broken regular wow. four five eight, and it fanaticized. <laughs> So I started by wanting to DM the unfanatic guy, and I, you know, whatever. So we ended up with two fanatic squads, one of which was broken, but of course it could rally back pretty easily yeah, with easier. nine morale. Anyway, I, I hurt myself by, again, by DM him. wasn't as bad as last time when we talked, Yeah, when he had the six plus one make everybody yeah, go berserk, right. but it still backfired on me. <laughs> i got to stop that. I thought you were supposed to DM guys. No, no. Well. Bad things happen. You've been playing it wrong things. all these years. I guess Rich. so. So he did eventually get the building, even though uh, it, uh, but, you know, easy for me to say. I knew they were dummies, and he didn't know, so. All right. So in picture five, we're kind of getting a a little more closer look at this fortress. Yes, the fortress uh, really is a fortress. It's very difficult to get up there. It's a level three hill. Then there's a level one level on top of that, so you're kind of at level four. There's an SSR on that wall, so it's like a plus three wall, Yeah, it's a plus three wall from the ocean side, and that's important because he could possibly bring his reinforcements uh, to that side, so the plus three wall would help. There's uh, And it's also fortified in the ground level. So if he hits you with his OBA there, yes, it's very powerful OBA, but you'll get plus four for the stone building, plus five for the stone level above it. So it's plus five protection, which is pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, he is going to have to weed you out of there with point-blank shots or pretty close to point-blank shots with his tanks. 
but he wasn't able to get his tanks close enough to uh to do that but that's what he i think i think that's what you need as the british to win this i don't know if you disagree zach but that was your ultimate goal i think was to pound those guys eventually well i had another ultimate goal which we can talk about here in a second which i think might be the next picture okay what's the next one um no it's a picture after that but we can talk about this here uh so this is your little little pocket on the far left right on the edge of board six and seven um, he had... Now, what picture are you on so the audience knows? This is yes. picture four. Yes. Okay, picture four. Um, you put, like, an AA gun and maybe another gun. Two two guns that I had to go in and get. Right, and remember, Marsh is open ground here. That's what the post-it note indicates. It's open ground. Mm-hmm. So I came over there with a, with a fair amount of squads, thinking that I'd be able to... I'd probably take it on the chin, but basically be able to get in there. And you can see... Uh, one thing that's important to point out now, because you get a good shot of it, is uh, when the... British get their reinforcements from U-36, so the units that come on carryovers. You're supposed to use French counters to kind of show them as being, like, depleted, and so they have a lower morale. So that's why you see British and French counters here, but they're actually all ah, okay. British. Um, so I came in over here, and these two mortars that he's got there were hip with uh, boar-sided a couple Ooh. hexes. Yeah. So, so it was a much more powerful location than he thought it was. Yes. And they bore sighted, guess which, guess which hexes that are like three in front of them there? Yeah. The woods hexes. Yeah. So it looked like you could just sort of, you know, cruise on through there. And uh, I had both of those woods hexes bore sighted. Yeah, I thought I could get up to with the... With hidden mortars. Yeah. I thought I could get up to the woods hexes, shoot it out with these Germans. Well, then scroll up a little bit here, Jeff, because I want to talk about what also happened to me that was, that was bad. Scroll up a little bit, please. So that hex D6, I believe it is. It's an orchard hex. Oh, yes. Is that D6? Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's empty now in your photograph here. And again, we're on picture uh, four. Four. number four. I thought, again, I have these thoughts that apparently just don't materialize. I hid, hip, my 75L anti-tank gun in that hex facing backwards because I figured that he'd want to come after those little anti-aircraft thingies because those are the tanks are immune to those guys, and it's tough for the infantry to dig those guys out. Yeah. So I figured he would bring his tanks there, and he would just sort of cruise on past that little location, yeah. and I'd hit him in the rear with my 75L. Of course, he didn't do anything like that. Tanks never got anywhere near that location. So he accidentally moved an infantry unit in to that hex, so I had to reveal the gun even though I didn't want to. So I said, okay, Zach, I'll fire point blank, minus two moving in the open, minus two bore sight, minus two point blank, minus six, whatever. I figured I'd get a crit- But I didn't even yeah. want that, though. I wanted yeah. to kill tanks. I didn't want to kill some stupid squad with a critical hit. But I had no choice because he entered the hex. I might as well shoot. What I roll? Broke the gun. Broke the gun. So I'm glad he didn't roll his tanks back there because I would have gotten all excited and I would have perhaps rolled the same 12. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was bad. That's why the gun isn't there, even though I'm telling you that it was. And I'd been dancing around that hex for a little while, a too. Time. It wasn't like I'd, you know, just cruised over there and I happened to go in that hex. That's because my patience is infinite. Yes. Yeah. So he goes, okay, I'm going to shoot at that. With it. I'm like, what are you talking about? I've been over here for four or five turns. But they were just sitting there quiet. Yeah, my strategies are bad. Don't go by what I say. Do All what right. you want. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was a corner that he had difficulty in. Yeah. But he did eventually get that building. So really, yeah. like several little separate battles kind of going mm-hmm. on. Oh yeah, across the Space. Mm-hmm. And I was also being a pest. I had little half squads. I'd CX like run away. Like, but he'd have to go chase them down, not because he needed to capture them or anything, but they could come back and like capture that building yeah. or something. Yeah. 
So he had to go, you know, hunt them down, and he did, but it just took time. Yeah, so we're looking at six here. This is just another. This is just a shot as the British are moving through that that chateau building there. Yeah. Okay. So they made it. Yeah. Then seven. Uh, seven. We can just make a quick comment on the he, down in the center, bottom center there. He's got two guns, um, which I had to take out, and I tried to get back there. With yeah, and again, that, that marsh is all open ground, so keep that in mind. Yeah. It's just open ground. Oh, okay. That's what the yellow posted note means. But that uh, he had it pretty well covered with the anti-tank guns, and he actually the OBA. I mean, it was, he popped a couple tanks and uh, Panzerfaust. I just couldn't get back there because. It's surrounded by woods, and then it's in the open, so it's it's actually got the yeah it's got the best of both worlds, kind right? Of. And the Germans do get two hundred millimeter OBA, I believe, on turn four. I'd have to look it's just here. A <clears throat> yeah, it's turn four and, on an off board. And observer. think about this: his tanks are pretty immune to anything you got. I mean, they can do Panzerfaust, but if he stays three or more hexes away, the Panzerfaust can't do anything. So, but two hundred millimeter OBA. The K slash number is, I believe it's 7, mm. which means that one greater than K slash is 8. His best AFVs, you know, if you look at that with that indirect fire versus AFVs, I think are, are zeros, you know, on that modifier. So all you need is an 8 to shock it or immobilize it mm. with that OBA. That's pretty good. Now, one of his... Uh, tanks has super big armor and that one i think had a plus one on it uh he moved through three of those oba hexes not not 30s i moved through three of the smaller ones all three of the needed... smaller ones you're right you're yeah. right smaller OBA. yeah you the wouldn't big, have done that yeah. but anyway so anyway we'll go back so the 200 millimeter oba is extremely powerful but the but the germans have scarce ammunition so they have eight black and and four red yeah. cards so you're I guess I was fortunate. I usually drew black before I drew reds, and I kept that 200 millimeter in play. I also left it out as a spotting round for a really long time, just to have the threat of it because I was yeah. afraid to draw another card because I, you know, the odds of drawing a red are pretty high. Yeah. But man, 200 millimeter. I think it like he, you know, it causes shell holes. It causes, uh, you know, with with fairly low numbers like sixes. Just vaporizes. It it causes rubble, flames. I mean, it kills. It's murder. It kills tanks. It kills infantry. It's heavy. So you want to use that 200 millimeter as the German, you know, obviously, you know, only when it counts. You don't want to just use it to kill a squad or two. You want to use it to really slow the guy down. And eventually, I think it did get your, uh, well, no, it was the other OBA that got the other guy. You move through three hexes. And then I think I yeah, got Yeah, the, the 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 tank was gotten gotten by the smaller OBA whatever. Right. And that one I needed a 3 or 4, but I think I got a lucky you can 2. Need a 2 or 3, yeah. But yeah. But I did kill a big leader and a big stack with the 200 millimeters, I recall. Yeah, that was unpleasant to say the least. So, anyway, the Germans got to use the 200 millimeter to the best of their ability, but they're cuz they're not going to have it long. All right. So, we've okay. got picture 8 here. Um this is Rich's favorite story of the whole campaign. Uh, that 7-0 that you can see in the woods just kind of left of the fortress there. I, the British have two OBA modules. One's the off-board observer, which is what I used to crank down on the fortress that Rich was talking about before. The second is a regular radio. So I gave the radio to that 7-0, and I had him lug it all the way from the edge, the south edge of the board. Yeah, like 33 hexes yep. only. Yep. Thirty hexes. I wasn't gonna. Didn't call. I wanted to save all the cards in the deck. We we're gonna get in close, and we we're gonna pound 
The fortress. The fortress. Okay. And we were going to get in there. So uh, if you go to the next picture, or maybe it's the one after that. Yes, we break the radio. <laughs> oh. Make it all the way over there to break the radio. Pure skill on my part, I'd say. Yes. To cause that outcome. Yeah, you had bad luck with that. The, the first scenario, or not, well, not the last one, but the two before, and yeah, then this the, one. The ones yeah. From last yeah, that sounds really unusual. See, this is where, again, you really need to have that little chit or the yep. do-over do rule, yep. something. I offered that to you. I, well, not for this scenario. This is the last one. We the last played, one, that's yeah. right. We played another one. So the British weren't quite able to do it, but we did play, of the 30... Four, Four turns. turns. Where did I we think get we, to? Right around twenty nine or thirty is when I called it in. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I knew from the beginning I kind of had to push a little harder than I might might have needed to. But right, right at the end, I, I just we last two turns we played, I fell apart. Yeah. So I. Sounds like fun though. Yeah, but it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Very in depth. Yeah, we learned a lot. Analysis. And where did the boats yeah. come in to play? Oh yeah, on we didn't show that. Go back a couple one? slides. There's yes. a, there's a picture of where I brought my boats in, which was actually kind of bad. Uh, no, it'll be water showing. That's it. Yeah, right that's there. it right there. What picture is that? Okay, that's picture ten. Yeah, so look at number ten for the listeners that are looking. So I brought my boats in. You can see, and that's where the reinforcements came in. And I think there's is there heavy current, or is it uh, moderate current? Because I think the drifting was significant. Let's see. I thought I talked about the current here. I know it's at least moderate. It might be heavy. All right, so it's a one hex difference, but in any case. Anyway, in any event, so I brought the the boats in, and I really should have brought them in much further to the right that this picture shows. Mm. That's a safer That's place. Moderate. You yes. brought them in by the fortress. Yeah, like, I brought uh, it in, but there's really nowhere to land. When you look, you see that yeah, there's, there's, there's a, cliffs. There's yeah. not where, anywhere to land. He had units coming in there. It was, I, I did lose some casualties. This this I've I've played against Rich now quite a few times, and this is the... The very rare, rich, spilky, rather large error. I feel I, yeah. I've never seen a big error, and I, it, this is this is the one the one time mm-hmm. that there was uh, an error. You think what, what, he, why did he do that? Or? Yeah, I I was watching because what I ended up doing was he brought in some because there's only a couple places where they can actually land because it's all cliffs mainly, and he brought in some on one side, and I was able to just clobber it with a couple squads, and then I think I used. The the OBA from the offboard observer to clobber a couple more. So yeah, it was bad. Yeah, my reinforcements got pounded pretty good. I had a couple left, but like at least half or more got 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 hurt, got killed. So yeah, that was a mistake. You want to be more conservative with your uh, reinforcements if you're going to play that one as the German. I I was unwise. Yeah, and the the British get reinforcements as well. The, the Germans can enter on the north edge of the board, which is all water. Even that that other side of the river is water, even though it's you know land board. So they can come in straight on. So that's when he came back up the fortress. The British can come on, and they've got these little like they're not ducks, but they're the British version of ducks. Um, and they can Buffalo come on. Yes, yeah, so they get a ten negative three liter, a nine negative two liter, yep. and a bunch of elite squads. It's pretty powerful. But you have to you have to record two turns ahead of when you're going to bring him in and i i wanted to get my guys up there and get kind of his defenses engaged and then bring the reinforcements in but i think i brought him in too late but you can come in on the right or left side or the east or west side in the southern edge so you can come on in the river and i thought about that it's an option it's an option and i thought about it but they only have two movement factors on the river so i thought yeah, i was already you know, go back to one of those yeah. pictures jeff i want to ask Jeff, zach one more question 
go back and let's see what picture. It's one that'll show the water hexes on the edge. Let's see which one. No, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, maybe that picture. So uh, what picture are we on? Picture two. So we're picture, getting an overview. So picture two, Zach. Think about the upper left-hand corner of picture two. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would you have considered entering in that area on the water edge? Because you could have gotten onto the land into that corner and start working your way across. I thought about that, but there's that big gun at the tip of the fortress, and that was actually one of the things I was thinking about. But that big gun, I think that's like a... 105. 105, and I did not want a 105 cranking on me while I plucked along at two hexes a turn. Okay, well, now, see, now that's something we should talk about because um, that 105 was behind the wall. Yeah. But it's also, I deliberately put him in a trench, or a fox, no, a trench, because that's being a trench. And the reason I put him in a trench, because I thought you might be pounding me with OBA mm-hmm. there, and I wanted yeah. to get the plus four protection of the trench. But when you're in a trench... Behind a wall. Behind a wall, you can't see nothing. Yes. So, you know, I was damned if I did and damned if I didn't. I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I mean, there's other stuff in the fortress I was worried about, too, but that's a good point. Yeah. He wouldn't have been as threatened. So I'm thinking, again, as the British playing this again, I'm, depending on how strongly he defends that upper left-hand corner in this picture number two, which I didn't defend it very strongly at all. I think I had a dummy and a half-squad or something. But, I mean, you can't defend everything as the British. No, you can't. I mean, pardon me, as the right. German. You can't. You just can't. Yeah. There's too yeah. much. You've got 18 squads and... Eight boards. <laughs> so what are you going to do? Yeah. I did. I put nothing up front. I mean, another strategy another player might use is they put a bunch of guys up front to interdict the guys coming on. You're going to lose those guys in two seconds. I think yeah, so. we spent yeah. five turns. I just spent five turns like getting across the board. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even try. I didn't say. I didn't even put a single half squad. I didn't nothing. I don't know. There's so many options. I mean, there yeah, are infinite lots options. And lots of options when you've got that kind of space too. So anyway, for people who are excited about boats and want to learn about boats and want to play a big scenario that's big boards, but not big units, really, but lots of turns. But it's really not that complicated. The rules are not that complicated. It's nice, because we played Tarawa, and Tarawa was like, okay, well, here's a bunch of stacks of counters. I I don't know what any of this means. i got to rifle through each one of these to kind of maybe wrap my head around what's going on. Whereas this, you can just look at it and go, oh, okay, that's about where, you know, I got an idea of whatever. Yeah. Well, what time we at, Jeff? We're uh, that's we're gonna have to wrap up. All right. Very excellent, guys. Okay. Well, thanks, thanks for having for us. Sharing. Thanks you for bet. that report. Very good report. Yep. And these, of course, these ones from uh, today's show have not got a lot of planes on war, as you'd imagine. Very few, like two or two, three. Yeah. Or... yeah. Well, one thing to so. point out on that is, um, I think the the roar numbers for thirty six and thirty seven were pro British, but the the 38, the combined, the only one was a German win, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, there's just one in there. That's would, weird. That's which, weird. Someone... It's even weirder because if you add these two numbers of turns together for these two, yeah. you get an extra two when you combine it. So okay. it, you would think it would make it even easier for the British. Yeah, yeah, I can't figure that out. But anyway, before we sign off here, I do have a little note for the listener that asked what my 1,000th game was, what I had been playing back then, and it was Forest Bastion. I finally looked that up. It was a... It was a Hakapale and ah. probably a playtest or, yeah, playtest at game 1000. So there you go. Sorry it took me like a year to get that information. <laughs> Listener. People are going to listen to all one hour and 22 minutes and that's to the gem that they're one, looking for. Yeah, it's never going to make it <laughs> right there. Well, anyway, we're going to sign off. Thanks a lot, guys, for coming and Thank for all that great work. Us. I appreciate yeah, it. Let's it do it fun. again. Yep. Remember to roll low. And rally well. But, but, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us.
Bye, everybody. See you later. Yeah.